Hello, I'm Hazel, and welcome to this podcast about what communities can do to share vehicles. I'm going to give the first word today to Professor Julian Annabel, speaking at the Como UK Shared Transport Conference in December 22. I went along, virtually, to look for inspiration on what we can do in our community in Portobello, and this talk really struck me. Let's focus on the fact that the UN just last month brought some really frightening, but I think, to be frank, refreshing honesty that really ought to be the first line that each of us are using every time we introduce our particular initiatives. They said there's no credible pathways to keeping us within safe carbon limits. And by this, what they mean is that there's no country that has come up with the right combination of measures to do this, to keep us on these pathways. They have said there is just about time for us to do so, but the fact is that none of these packages of policies exist out there. And there are no exceptions, the EU, the UK in particular. And for transport, it's very complicated, obviously, but there's no pathways left for decarbonising the transport sector without deep cuts in car use by 2030, in half a dozen years' time. And those deep cuts in car use are of at least 20% reduction in the amount that cars are used from today's levels. And this is alongside really ambitious uptake of EVs, more ambitious than than some of us are going for at the moment. And the, the cuts are necessary in part to compensate for the fact that heavy goods vehicles need a bit longer to do their thing. Professor Annabelle's work at the University of Leeds at the Institute for Transport Studies focuses on understanding transport behaviour and travel patterns and how we can use that knowledge to reduce carbon emissions. And here is something I did not know. Talking then about a scale of change that has not happened anywhere in the world, other than maybe in some small pockets of best practice cities, and we aspire to places like the Netherlands, where they've got 29% of trips undertaken by bike. The Dutch are as carbon intensive in their travel as we are. Their per average per capita carbon emissions from traveling in the Netherlands is the same as in the UK. So we don't even know how to do what we've got to do. So my main message for you today is for you to all to be more honest. I'm not accusing you of lying, but I am accusing you of focusing on your individual interventions and growing the patronage and growing the use of your individual interventions and really ignoring the fact that what we need to do is get people out of their cars onto these interventions and that we cannot do that unless we couple these interventions with significant car restraint. Amazing. So how are we going to do that? What will really get people out their cars? I don't have the answer yet, but you already know that. You also see the steady stream of single occupancy cars flowing by, right? I can't hear what my daughter is telling me from her buggy because of the roar of them. But you are here and I am here and you never know. Maybe we can figure it out. In 2022, I was given the opportunity to work for Porti Community Energy a few hours every week. It felt like an exciting year. 
We set up a bike library project trial and a peer-to-peer car club. We made a start. But it does feel like being the first person to get up on the dance floor. Like, is everyone going to come and join in? <laughs> Let me tell you about it. So here's Hannah Box from Como UK speaking at a community workshop that we held last summer. Como stands for Collaborative Mobility. Uh, so we're all kind of working together to share transport a bit more. So we have car club research and bike share research, which is great for producing statistics that we can use to kind of convince people that we need to do a bit more sharing in our communities. Hannah gave a presentation about some of the latest research into transport. And in Scotland, our transport emissions are about 35, 36% of the total emissions. Of that, cars make up about 40%. So quite a large portion is just us moving about in, in vehicles. So what can we do? Well, we can share cars. So this is from our research from 2021. So we've published this just last month. This revealed that car clubs in Scotland have the potential to reduce about 17 private cars. So one car club car can replace those 17 cars. That one really struck me. When I heard that 17 cars could be removed for every car club car, I would walk down the street counting the cars and imagining them disappearing. One, two, three, four, five. I live on a street where cars park on both sides. It so happens there are 17 cars on either side. So that's the whole of one side of the street clear, replaced by just one car club car. Hannah then told us about the different types of car sharing models. There's different types of car sharing options. There's not kind of like a one solution fits all. So, you know, we may find through discussions today that there is more than one option that could work here. Two options might work really well together. You've got independent car clubs, franchise, working with a franchise. You've got peer-to-peer car sharing. And then you've got uh, lift sharing or ride sharing. So which one of these options would work best in our community? Well, first we needed to start the conversation about how we travel and how it might work better. So we're just going to move around the different stations. There's train, cycle, car, bus, walk or wheel. Other, so if everyone wants to stand up, <laughs> going to do a big shop. What, how do you travel? No judgment, just for fun. Nobody's looking at what you're doing, they're only thinking about themselves. At the end of the workshop, people seemed most keen on the idea of a peer-to-peer car club. Some people were willing to share vehicles they already own with a group of trusted people. We got in touch with Keith at Hire Car, which seemed like our best option. Here he is explaining some background about what they offer communities at a Zoom Q&A. Just to give you a bit of background about how we've come to the closed loop car sharing setup is that we were approached about 18 months ago by a lady called Emily Kerr, who was very keen to share cars in Oxford. And she gave us a lot of very good feedback about people were very keen to share their cars, but they wanted to do it to people that they trusted and their neighbours as opposed to people that they didn't know. So we spent quite a lot of time working with Emily in Oxford um, and we've come up with this closed loop setup whereby we can set up a, a group 
who can list their cars within that group and they will only be available to a trusted group of people that are allowed to join that network. But we've managed to do that on the back of the wider peer-to-peer platform that we've been working on since 2015. We've come up with a bespoke car sharing insurance system. Just a bit of background on that. The insurance company that we've been working with on this for the last four years are now the biggest investor in the company as well. We've also worked on the app. You know, it, it is tried and tested now and it is working. We now have nine closed loops within Oxford itself and across the UK we've set up 25 closed loops and that's include, including the, the Portobello one as well. So we are using Hayakar, but we also have a WhatsApp group and I'll now give you a little flavour of this. We've made up our minds and decided we'd love to be part of this group, but we're not going to be contributing our car. This is because we've decided to sell Smithu, our Zoe. It's great, but we need the cash, not the car. Know anyone looking to buy? What's the reg number so I can look it up for price estimates? I think Zoe is a nicer name than Smithu. It's in his original message. Well, only if you actually read the whole thing. I hate to contradict, but it's there whether you read it or not. Or perhaps forgetting all, if a tree falls down in a forest with nobody there to hear it, does it make a sound? Lol. Ah, I thought this was the car share group, not philosophy. Lol. Welcome Ray. Ray mostly cycles, but it would be useful to have a car for some trips, like buying plants and escaping to the countryside. Welcome Ray. Great to have you in the group. We're off to Mull. Has anyone got a car? Not too small. Yeah, we're on holiday then. We've just had our first booking. It's for two hours this evening. Joe's been charged 22.16. We earn 4.20. Apparently Enterprise is cheaper. Seems a strange pricing system if it produces this. Enterprise vehicles, the size we have in Porty, are £6.50 per hour. Ours is a bigger car which she needs for what she's picking up. Still seems odd. Yes, it's very weird. We hired one with this group for three days and we paid £160, which was a way better price than we'd have paid through hiring a car. But the owner received only £67. I think we can do way better than this. Bless hire car for getting us started, but could we not find out what insurance costs for a day and then organise via this WhatsApp list? Sorry, just catching up here. Enterprise charges a yearly fee for the car club, also a cost per mile. This is from past experience. I found it to end up quite expensive. Also, the van I hired was so dirty on the inside that we spent at least 30 minutes cleaning it or moving soft furnishings. So if we're honest here, it's not all plain sailing. We now have too few cars because people keep selling them, which is a good thing. But there are a group of people committed to working it out and smoothing the glitches. I was invited to the home of Car Club members Duncan Wallace and Polly Bennett to have a chat about their experiences so far as car owners offering out their car. How has it been working so far? Well, we've connected as humans and started to share our assets and worked out our systems and processes and relationships And the problems around it have now been overcome because 
in the old days, there used to be a lot of problems about sharing insurance ideas and ownership ideas, and the insurance and ownership companies absolutely were blocking anybody do car sharing naturally, whereas humans were perfectly up for it. They just didn't know how to do it. So any challenges? People are obsessed about having their own stuff, and a car historically used to represent a status symbol for some reason and a sense of private good. You know, there aren't really publicly available, publicly owned cars. We think it's a private good and individuals have to keep them, obviously according to health and safety, but individuals also have to keep them as theirs and the colour that they want them in. Whereas actually it's a shed on four wheels that moves you about. We're a bit obsessed about the privacy of cars that I think is one of the challenges. I was thinking that it's, um, we see it as a tool. We see our car as a tool and then it's part of this very important move to tool libraries and to, you know, other ways of sharing things that literally most of the time that car is just sitting out there. Most of the time we're not using it, you know, we use it occasionally. Yeah, it's like tools in a tool shed. Yeah, and our car is, you know, people don't have to worry, they don't, they can take their dogs in, they can take their kids, they can get sand all over it, they can... For us, it's a fairly relaxed object. Um, there's no point in cleaning it too much because it'll just get filthy again in three seconds. You know, ultimately, I would be someone who didn't really want private ownership about a vehicle, but would want more of a shared resource that was accessible by all. Because we have dogs, you can't, you're literally not allowed to rent a car. So, you know, there are some barriers in the way for us to just do that kind of thing. And that's why we currently have a car. It became difficult for us to function in life. Um, and that's not very good. <laughs> it's not very good that you have to go and get a car in order to take your dogs to wherever. What you really want is an equipment depot that you have a relationship with the equipment. You know how the equipment works, but also someone can show you how it works. And you can choose which equipment you need for what trip. And then you can keep doing adventures. Capitalism doesn't like that kind of cooperation, but actually it's right here in the street. You know, how many cars are out there unused right now? You know, plenty. I know the key holders because I know people on my street. That's just a conversation. That's the point is that they could come and borrow us. We could borrow our lives. We trust systems, you know, therefore you've created a system. That's all we need. Yeah. Um, we need an assumption that there's a system. And the fact that somebody in in your role means the system's being regulated. That's what we need. For a while, we hung on to our car because we wanted to sometimes take our canoe for a trip somewhere. You can't put a canoe on a hire vehicle? In the end, we decided we couldn't justify keeping a car just for that, so we sold it. Then last summer, after setting up the peer-to-peer -peer car club, we were able to borrow a vehicle from someone locally for a little cash, and they didn't mind us putting the canoe on it. But we haven't needed a car since. But we could use one, and that possibility is of value to us. Some people in the group felt like it wasn't working because the cars weren't being borrowed enough. But knowing it's there, so if you need it, you can get it, seems to be one of the main things that people like about having a car. So it may just give some people the confidence to get rid of the car that just sits there outside the house which means we start to see our streets and public spaces differently. Instead of living in a giant car park, 
We could live in something that more resembles an actual park. We need volunteers, we need willing from the community, we need passionate people to drive it forward. And so far, we've been blown away. The Porty Travel Hub is planning to launch in the spring and be the home for shared vehicles in this community.